those of you that um, need to hear the word of the Lord, make sure you hear it. When God speaks corporately to a house, he's not just speaking to the building. He's speaking to everyone that is connected to that house. And your responsibility is to be able to grab hold of it, take it back home, begin to pray over those words of the Lord, and expect the manifestation of it. We're going to be having fun. And if you can, for some reason, stay in the second service, because I believe the Spirit of God is going to minister to you. Sometimes, you know, when you have multiple of services, um, when I travel and I have to preach multiple services, sometimes they always believe what you preach in the first service, that's what you preach in the second service. But I tend not to do that because I always feel that sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to you. So this is the catch. Sometimes people show up in the first service and they say, well, I heard it already, so I don't need to show up. Well, with me, I may surprise you because God has a word constantly for you. So now flip your Bible with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 and then the book of um, Romans chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 and then Romans chapter 4. And I'm going to try to really deal with this real quickly. And hopefully by the grace of God, just be able to put some really key things in your spirit. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 and Romans chapter 4. Now I'm going to be reading Romans from the, uh, from the Amplified Translation, but I'm going to be reading Proverbs from the New Living Translation. You know, once in a while, I do that. I want to talk to you this morning on perhaps what I consider in my life one of the most significant subjects that is neglected. Or what I consider within the body of Christ one of the most significant subjects that is neglected. I want to talk to you on the force of sustenance. That force of sustenance. And uh, the direction that I'm actually going is, how do you sustain? How do you sustain the word of the Lord? How do you sustain the promises of God that have been spoken to you over a period of time until that promise becomes a reality? That is one of the greatest battle and greatest struggle with most believers. God always speaks. He always ministers. When you read the Bible, there are promises that are constantly released. And when you speak to people behind the scenes, secretly in their heart, they will tell you that one of their frustration is that even though God has spoken, and they believe what God has spoken, yet that which God has spoken has not yet become a reality. You could go through every church in America, including my church, and you will find the frustration in the hearts of believers. The question is, how do I sustain a word? Or how do I sustain a promise when a promise is given to me over a period of weeks or months or probably years until that promise eventually becomes a reality? Number one, we establish the fact that God is not a liar. Everybody here believes that. That when God makes a promise, his word is true. And God is faithful to every single thing that he says. So the problem is not with God. Number two, the problem is not even with the devil. Oftentimes we attribute things to the enemy. That the reason something has not yet become a reality is because of the enemy. The enemy has no power over you. Please believe me. 
The enemy has no power. The power that the enemy has to dominate you is really the power that you give the enemy. And we give the enemy power based on our ignorance. Because when you have a revelation and an understanding concerning who you are in Christ, and you begin to walk in that knowledge and understanding, the enemy cannot dominate you. He can try to harass you, but that does not mean he can dominate you. You can govern the enemy at every given moment. Psalm 110 verse 2, the scripture says this, that the strength of the rod of your authority has been released out of Zion. It's a rule in the midst of your enemy. So there is an audacity of an anointing that we possess that in the midst of the most difficult situation and circumstances in our life, that we can govern the problem. So the enemy is not my problem. I don't focus on the enemy. Every time things goes wrong in my life, the first thing I focus on is to make sure that I am in alignment with God. If I am in alignment with God, I can easily be able to drive the enemy from every single aspect of my life. So when God speaks to you, when a promise is made to you, whether individually or corporately, you have to understand that oftentimes the promise doesn't become a reality overnight. He takes a process. Our work with God is about processes and journey. Okay? When you work with God, when God makes a promise to you, it's all about process and all about journey. Nothing happens overnight. The strength or the growth of anything doesn't become a wonder overnight. It takes time. It takes process itself. It takes a journey from one place to another. That's the same thing with a word or with a promise that is spoken to you. But the question is, how do I sustain that word daily or weekly or monthly until that which God spoke become a reality? There is a force in scripture that we neglect. It is so significant that when you study the lives of every single individual that was given a promise, their success is hinges on their ability to live by the spirit. It is called the spirit of focus. Focus is one of the most significant force that every single believer and every single leader has to learn to embrace. There is never a success in the life of any individual that you have never seen connected to focus. Great leaders that you admire become great because they are focused. A church that is successful is successful not because it's an anointed church. It is because it's a focused church. Please hear me very significant. You can be the great anointed person and have great talents and ability and yet never successful. Because the anointing alone doesn't build a ministry. The anointing alone doesn't build a business. It takes more than the anointing to be able to build anything of significance. The spirit of focus comes along with the anointing of God to make sure that that which God has spoken to you become a reality. I've met men that are so significant, men that are anointed, but yet they've not been able to carry vision from point A to point B. It is not because they don't have vision. 
It is not because they are not anointed. It is not because they are not talented. But they lack the spirit of focus. A man that lacks it is a man that will never be successful in seeing destiny becoming a reality. So hear me, people of God. You may not be a pastor, but in your own living, your ability to be successful hinges on this spirit of focus. Now track with me. When you study Proverbs chapter 4 and you look at verse 25 to verse 27, it explains really who a focused person is. Notice the way the, the New Living Translation puts it. He says, oh, thank you. The NLT from verse 25. Thank you. Good. Okay? Notice the way he puts it. Number one, verse 25. He says, look straight ahead. So, focus people always look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Verse 26. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Verse 27. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Do you notice the progression of the lifestyle of a focused person? When you meet an individual that is focused, it is described in this very scripture. They look straight ahead. They fix their eyes on what lies before them. They mark out a straight path for their feet and they refuse to be sidetracked by anything that is not connected to vision. Now, when you, go to, when you go to Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, and you begin to look at uh, from verse 18 to verse 22, it is the story of Abraham himself. Now, notice what the scripture says. Romans chapter 4 and uh, from verse, uh, two, uh, verse 18 to verse um, 22. Now, <clears throat> I can't see that far, kind of small, but I'm going to try to read it from my Amplified Translation. Now, 4, 18 to 22. Now, notice what the scripture says from verse 18. The Bible says, For Abraham, human reason for hope, uh, being gone, hope in faith, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been a promise, so numberless shall your descendants be. Verse 19 says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered the other importance of his own body, which was as good as dead, because he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead in womb. You got to catch this. In Genesis chapter 12, God gave a word of the Lord or a promise to Abraham himself. And the word of the Lord was, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Now, that sounds that sound really exciting. You know, the Spirit of God coming and giving you a promise about your future and your destiny and what he intends to do. That doesn't sound depressing. He sounds really exciting. But right after that, when you go to Genesis chapter 15, 10 years, Abraham was 75 when the word of the Lord was given. And in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham became 85 years old. So 10 years difference, there was no manifestation of whatever God spoke to him. Then in Genesis chapter 17, now he is 99 years old. 
Now he's about to be a hundred years old. And then all of a sudden, when he was a hundred years old, God made possible the promise. The question is, how was it able to carry that word over that period of years, over and over and over and over, until the word became a reality? And for you and I, you are going to be in the same position. There are promises that are made to you and that are made to me. There are words that is given to you and me. There are promises in scripture that you have to know how to sustain that word in spite of the difficulties that comes into your life as a church and as an individual believer until that which God promised becomes a reality. If you don't know how to do that, you're going to quit at every given moment and the enemy will convince you that that which God says is a lie. The enemy wants you to always believe that God tells a lie and he, the enemy, is truthful. But that's not true because there is a principle in Scripture that every believer has to come to admire and have to come to embrace. It is that principle of being able to sustain it through the force of focus. So let's talk about this spirit of focus. His focus is so significant. Let's look into what is focus, what is the benefit of focus, and probably how the enemy attacks your focus. He took the spirit of focus for Abraham to carry the same word over and over in spite of the fact that after 10 years, after 20 years, nothing happens. He still believed it until the promise became a reality. What about you? What about the things that God has spoken to you? What about the things that you believe that God has spoken to you? And many times uh, we get secretly depressed and discouraged because we've not seen it. And if you are truthful with yourself, sometimes uh, you tend to believe that God isn't really truthful with his word. Even though we recite it and we repeat it over and over, because you have not seen a miracle or a result or a breakthrough or something in your life, there is something internally that fights with your faith, that tries to convince you that the word isn't real. Maybe we made a mistake. Maybe the prophet made a mistake. Maybe I mistakenly misinterpreted it. There are thoughts and ideas that comes to our mind. And the enemy does all of that for one purpose, to disconnect you from the very promise that God spoke to you. Notice how significant focus is. What is focus? Now, focus is that internal concentration. Very significant. It is that internal concentration that you that you concentrated on on the things that God has spoken to you it is that internal concentration on that which God has spoken to you that you are not willing to let go in spite of the circumstance it is an internal concentration on something that God spoke to you a word a promise, an idea, a thought, a business, whatever it is that God spoke to you, it is that internal concentration and you hold tight to it. 
And you refuse to let it go. In spite of the circumstance. Whether it snows. Whether it doesn't snow. Whether things are good. Or whether things aren't good. Whether the doctor gives a negative report. Whether it gives a positive report. You just stay with it. You carry that baby. Like a woman that carries the baby. For nine months. And in the process of carrying the baby. Periodically. The woman goes through some pains. Go through some some of those uh, pregnancy issues. You go to see the doctor. But you carry the baby and you stay focused on what God has spoken to you. Successful leaders live their way this way. Successful believers they live this way. You can never find an individual that is successful in an endeavor that is not focused. A great marriage is successful because each of the parties focus on one another. Focus is the secret of advancement. Focus is the secret of increase. Whenever you want increase to take place in your life, you live the life of focus itself. So when the enemy attacks you, he's not attacking your health. He's not attacking your finances. The greatest attack that the enemy brings into your life is your focus. Notice, you complain that the attack is against your health. You feel it in your body. But the enemy isn't really attacking your health. The enemy is endeavoring to break your focus so that you don't concentrate on that which is most significant in your life. He deviates your attention to that sickness and you measure on the sickness. That becomes your new concentration. And as long as the enemy is able to break your focus with a circumstance in your life and you refuse to realign and readjust yourself, the enemy becomes successful. You know, if you look at the scripture in the book of Acts, I think Acts chapter, Acts chapter, I think 16, 19, Paul himself had an opportunity to encounter the king Agrippa. In talking to Agrippa, Paul began to recount his experience as an unbeliever. And then later, Paul began to recount his experience of salvation. And he began to talk about the encounter in such a way, how God met with him, and how he submitted his life to God, and how he began to serve God. But he also began to talk about all of the difficulties that he experienced in the process of serving the Lord. Then he looked at this king. He says, oh, King Agrippa, in spite of the opportunities that was presented to me to disobey God or to be sidetracked, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Do you see how he stayed focused? He stayed focused to the very thing that God called him to. And hear me, gangster, your success will be determined by the degree of your focus. You can be the most anointed person and the most talented person, but you aren't going anywhere if you are not a focused person. Have you ever heard people say this? Well, I want to do this. You begin something, and the next day, you forget about what you began. And then you come up again next week and you say, well, we're going to do this. And you start it and you never completed it. How can you be successful if you are focusless? Focusless people are very unsuccessful people. Whether in ministry, whether in business, whether in marriage, it doesn't matter what aspect of your life. So when you study the patriarch of old and you see the reason they were successful, they were successful because they were focused. What about Christ? 
What about Jesus Christ himself? The pattern son. He laid the example. If you look at John 4, verse 34, Jesus made it very clear. He tells, he said, this is my meat. In other words, this is what flicked my switch. This is what wakes me up. This is my agenda. This is my focus. It is to do the will of the one that have sent me and to finish it. Are you listening to me? And to finish it. It is to do the will. When a man finds focus and you realize the significance of focus, there is nothing the enemy can do to be able to deviate you from what God called you to do. You know, many times people admire my ability to write books. And they say, how can you do that? And they say, wow, 20-something books. And they put their emphasis more on the anointing. He has a scribe anointing. Remember, you can have all the anointing on earth and all the giftings and the ability on earth. That does not guarantee you success if you lack focus. Because focus is that internal concentration. Internal concentration on that which you believe God has spoken to you. That you refuse to let go in spite of the circumstance. So when I begin a process of writing books, I have to stick with it in spite of all of the opportunities to let go, the busyness of the travel. So when I'm traveling, I take a couple of manuscripts with me and I review them on the plane. When I get home, I manage my time in such a way that I remain focused on the agenda that God has given to me. The anointing doesn't do that for you. The anointing is simply the supernatural power of God that comes upon you and that enables you to accomplish a thing. The anointing is a gift. The anointing is not character. Focus has to do with a character development in you that enables you to be successful. You tell me of any successful individual and I will tell you that part of the reason they're successful is that they have a fine tune focus they have a fine tune focus they stay with the game they run after it just like the description uh, described in the new, uh, new living translation look straight ahead they always look straight ahead they fix their eyes on what lies before them they make out a straight path for their feet and I'm telling you church the season that you are in it's not just a season of excitement. You're going to have to make adjustment with your focus. You know, sometimes we fail to understand that we do that daily. When I look at some of you here this morning, you wear glasses, okay? Periodically, in the glasses you wear, guess what you do? You pull it, you clean it, and you put it back. Why do you clean it? Because you want to see clearly. It becomes your focus. Your glass is a representation of your light. When there is darkness, you can see. Focus represents light. It represents the ability for you to see clearly every single moment. What is the vision for this year? Blah, 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 blah. Okay? So the anointing is there to accomplish it. But every single individual must come into alignment to the spirit of focus that in spite of what the enemy does to distract us this year, we will make sure that that which God has ordained become possible. He become possible. 
You know, there are a couple of reasons why people struggle with focus. You know, sometimes it is generational. You know, when you look, mama struggle with it. Dad struggle with it. You know, the parents struggle with it. So you have a generational struggle. So they don't know how to stay focused. Some, uh, some other reasons has to be some chemical problem. You know, just a chemical imbalance and all of that. But when we come into the kingdom of God, this is the most incredible stuff. You come into the kingdom of God. The spirit of God has the ability to realign everything and bring you to a place where you can begin properly and you can always complete if I ask you this question, if you examine your life and look at how you've lived, do you have abandoned projects or do you always complete what you begin? Most times, people, most Christians, they have abandoned projects. I remember growing up and my dad began to teach me this without me knowing that he was teaching me and without my dad knowing that he himself was teaching me. But I, but I later understood that part of what was done was a lesson that helped me to understand this biblical principle. And what it does was, when we sit on the dining table, I don't like vegetables. I really don't like vegetables then. Now, I love it now because my wife compelled me to eat it, okay? But then, I won't eat any vegetables. But this is what my dad will do. He says, you can't leave the table. Nobody leaves the table until they finish their meal. What is he trying to convey? Now, then, it sounds wicked. Then, it sounds bad. Then, it sounds horrible. But at hindsight, in looking at where I I am today, and in understanding the principle of the kingdom, I understood what he was trying to teach me was you must always finish what you begin. Everything you begin, you have to finish it. Focused people never operate in abandoned project. They begin something, they stay with it, they complete it in spite of the circumstances that takes place. Now, I want to hear me. I want you to hear me now. When you walk in focus, when you live your life like this, Something begins to happen in you that is so different from the life of other single individual. You know, I like to hang around focused people because it rubs on you. They challenge you. They are always at the end of each year, you can be able to put your finger. The Lord spoke to us this. We stayed with this and we walked it. We completed this. You can be able to see achievements that is achieved by the grace of God in the lives of people that walks in focus. But focusless people are always regrettable people. They regret. You know, last year we should have done that. Two years ago we should have been this. Six years ago we should have accomplished this. Well, I don't know why we don't accomplish it. So we're going to make a new promise, you know, to accomplish something. And you could make a good promise, and that's great. But simply because you make a promise does not mean you have the focus to carry it. So we don't have an excuse not to live and be able to sustain what God has spoken to us. No excuse. Because the Spirit of God is made available to you and I. There are five capacities that the Spirit of Focus will release to you. Five capacities. Every time you see focus-oriented people, you see these capacities. You admire it in them, but you can live in the same. And when you look at Christians in the Bible, look at Abraham, you look at uh, Paul, you look at uh, the patriarch that you admire, you will find that because of their focus, they possess this capacity. But when you look at the life of Jesus, who is our pattern example, you also see this capacity. 
Because he believed in you and in me. He looked ahead and he saw the reward that was going to take place. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus was so focused on the Father's agenda. So much that he was willing to die on the cross for you and I to accomplish what he did so that you and I today can be able to use his name to achieve what Christ has done for you and I. Five, capacity. Capacity is defined simply as the power and the ability to do something. That's what capacity means. It is defined as the power and the ability to do something. So when you say somebody has a capacity, you are simply saying they have the ability or they have the power to do something or to accomplish something. Keep that in mind. When I am focused, the spirit of focus releases this capacity in me. And this capacity now enables me to be able to fulfill everything God calls me to with ease. Number one is the capacity of commitment. You will never have a focused person that is not a committed person. Absolutely not. Every focused people that you will meet are very committed to something. Focusless people are people that are not committed, not focused people. So when you look at the life of Christ, Jesus Christ himself, his focus releases the capacity of commitment. So he was willing to be committed all the way to accomplish the Father's agenda. You can't be focused without the capacity of commitment. It is that commitment that keeps you in that game, that keeps you to undergird and carry that thing and day in and day out and just keep believing what God says over and over and over and over until that which God says becomes a reality. You have to be committed to something. But if you are not focused, you can be committed. How can you be committed if you are not focused? Focus and commitment have to be married together. But you can never be committed unless the spirit of focus rests in you. Okay? Number two. The second is the capacity to be consistent. The capacity of consistency. Okay? Consistent people are, inconsistent people are focusless people. There are people who cannot keep their focus on a thing for a while and embark on a purpose on a long term. Ever met an inconsistent person? Genuinely, they give you a promise. But for some reason, they can't keep it. See, that's the problem. When God gives you a word, when God gives you a promise, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to do this for you. And all of a sudden, you get excited about it. But then the spirit of focus comes in to carry that word, to undergird it or to sustain it day in and day out. Day in and day out. And as you focus on that word, it releases the capacity of commitment. So you are able to be committed to it for the long haul. But it also releases the capacity of consistency. So in spite of what happens, 
the next day, in spite of what you see, in spite of what you hear, you remain consistent to what God has spoken to you until the promise becomes a reality. Gangs, hear me. Nothing easy comes to pass in the kingdom of God. You can sing Kumbaya and shout and get excited and run around the building until you are willing to remain focused and undergird the very things that God has spoken to you. The promise will not become a reality. It doesn't just happen. You don't just joke and something takes place. Because God is not a magician. As much as he loves you, he has given you the power of choice. And the power of choice says, you have to cooperate with me for this stuff to take place. I want to heal you, but there is something you got to do. I want to bless you, but there is something you got to do. I want you to grow, but there is something you got to do. I want to enlarge you, but there is something you got to do. So God always meets his own term. He keeps his word. The question is me. I struggle with, you know what I mean, inconsistency. So you can't keep it. So you blame God. Well, I don't know why this. Well, the question is, you struggle with inconsistency. You are not consistent. You know, simply because a truth has not yet become a reality does not mean you don't keep the truth. You just keep maintaining the truth. See, you got to understand this principle. Everything in the physical arrives from the spirit realm. And before it shows up in the physical realm, there is an in-between process. The in-between process is what you really don't see. It's like the principle of planting a seed. You put the seed right in the ground, and it just takes a while, look like nothing will come up. But the seed goes through a process. There is a darkness that takes place. The seed has to die first, and then you're waiting for it to show up. If you say, well, I don't believe it's going to grow. I don't, I don't believe it's going to grow. The farmer don't think like that, because the farmer understands the mechanism and the process of it. So the farmer remains consistent until one day, all of a sudden, when the seed internally have gone through the process, it appears in reality, and you are able to see the process of the growth of the seed. That's the same thing. So simply because you don't see anything does not mean anything isn't happening. Are you listening to me? And that's the mistake that is made by immature Christians. If you are not addicted to the word of God and spend time in the word, you will struggle with this. If I can't see it, it means God isn't working. If I can't feel it, it means God isn't working. But that is not true. You know, in all of our life, we see a process of growth that takes place without you being able to see anything. That's the thing with the seed. The seed is growing, but you don't see it. Do you see your child growing? Parents with children, that if you have a child, the child can be growing, and yet you, the parents, don't notice it. Until someone that has not seen that child shows up and says, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, look at you. Because you don't see it, but the child is growing. That's the same dimension in the spirit. God is working on your behalf, but you don't know he's working on your behalf. You need to be able to sustain that promise that is given to you and carry it in your womb for the months or for the years that the spirit of God designed for it to be carried. And at the right season, you birth it. 
So you always will find focused people have the capacity of commitment and then the capacity of consistency. The third capacity, it establishes the capacity to easily make sacrifice. When you are focused, it is easy for you to make sacrifice. But if you are not focused, it is absolutely difficult for you to make sacrifice. Think about it for a moment. If I'm focused over the ministry, because I believe that's what God spoke to me, guess what I can do? I can make sacrifice for the ministry. I can be able to go beyond those places of comfort in my life. If I'm focused on my spouse, because I believe she is the one that God has given to me. Guess what? I'm able to make sacrifice for her. And she's able to make sacrifice for me. Anything you are focused on, on your kids, your children, you are willing to make sacrifice. Isn't that true, living stones? Come on, talk back to me. Yes, you never make sacrifice on things that you aren't focused on. So, one of the capacity that is released from the spirit of focus is the willingness to make sacrifice. So, when I meet an individual that struggles with sacrifice concerning something, I can be able to easily tell they're not focused on it. Because whatever you focus on, sacrifice becomes easy. There is nothing that you cannot obtain with the faith of God. Nothing you can obtain. When you are really desperate to accomplish it, you accomplish it because you extremely focus on it. If you focus on accomplishing a building and we want to find a building, we want to buy a building, all of a sudden, that sacrifice, that ability to move beyond those places of comfort in your life arrives in your life. You make the sacrifice. And I could tell you stories and stories, but the things I'm not focused on are the things I'm not willing to make sacrifice in. And remember, here is Abraham with a word that is given to him for 25 years. The word or the promise never became a reality until he was a hundred years old. What was his secret? Abraham was a man like you and I. He was in Christ. We're talking about the old covenant that is never built on a new promise. And we are people of the new covenant built on a new promise. So we have the ability to be able to sustain what God has spoken to you. Don't ever allow the enemy to tell you God isn't true. Because the job of the enemy is to try to convince you by what hasn't happened in your life that God is not willing and able to accomplish what he has spoken to you. God's word is alive. And God is faithful. And God will do what he promised he will do. But you have to know how to sustain and carry it. I remember it was probably 25 years ago that I received a prophetic word that I'm going to go back to my country. Okay? And I've been out of my country then for like 35 years. And the spirit of the Lord began to speak to me. So I made personal attempt to go myself. But the spirit of God blocked it. I mean, I never will forget one of the incidents. I was at the airport. My wife already kissed me and wished me by, you know, to go. And I got on the airport. And the airline I was supposed to, everybody was checking in until it got to my turn. 
When it got to my turn, the lady looks at me and says, I'm sorry, Dr. Tetsola, the airline just went on strike. Just on strike. I knew exactly. I knew in my spirit what the Holy Spirit was. Because it wasn't the timing yet. Okay? But I was trying to override because I wanted to go. And everybody would keep asking me, have you gone home yet? Have you gone home yet? Have you gone home yet? So I said, wait a minute. I need to go at least to make sure nobody asks me the question. It's a true story. Until probably, I think, four or five years ago, I was preaching in Dallas. Yearly in Dallas, all the apostolic leaders all over the world comes together for a leadership meeting. And the Lord gave me the favor every year to be one of the guest speakers. And I was there preaching in Dallas. And I finished preaching a meeting I didn't want to attend. But I was lured to attend the meeting, you know, by the grace of God. And I finished preaching. And there was this woman that came to me. She rushed over. They were so blessed. She rushed over to me. She looked at me and she said, you are coming to my country. So I said, um, what country? It's said, Nigeria. I said, no, 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 I ain't coming. No, I ain't coming. And she looked at me, put her hand on her waist. He said, listen to me. I'm telling you, you are coming. So I left her, went straight to my hotel room because the meeting was held in the, in the hotel. So I went straight to my hotel room. And while I was about to lay my head on the bed, my friend, the Holy Spirit, visited me and said, go back downstairs, find that woman, cancel every appointment that you have on that day. You are going. It was a green light. But ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand this. When God brings you into that season, he arranges everything ahead of you. It was exactly like it was prophesied. It was like an entourage to enter a nation which I left. And I'm coming back in almost like a celebrity back into my nation to be honored again. Don't you see if I violated and I took an alternative choice and my focus was broken, I would not have been able to accomplish and achieve what the Spirit of God intended. So I had to carry that thing in me. We will play, you know, it was cassette then. We will play the cassette all night. When I'm sleeping in the night, the cassette will keep playing of the word of the Lord that was spoken, of the promise of God that was spoken. You got to stay focused over what God has given to you and you repeat it over and over. It may take a year. It may take two years. It may take 20 years. It may be 25 years, just like Abraham himself. But you can be guaranteed, if you stay focused, that internal concentration on that which God has spoken to you and you refuse to let it go, guess what God will do? He will bring it to pass. Now, it is amazing for for countless of years, never was able to step in my country for once. It is amazing that each year I visit it for seven times. Seven times I fly in and out. This is someone who never went for a while. That is what God can do. Remember, whenever the spirit of focus is unleashed in you, it unleashes commitment. It unleashes 
Consistency. You are consistent. How you doing, Abraham? Fine. Have you got a child yet? Yeah, the child is coming. The baby is coming. How you doing, Sarah? Fine. Where's your baby? Well, my baby is coming. Hallelujah. My baby is coming. The focus on the world. Not the focus on the circumstance. I may be speaking to some of you here this morning. You are at the verge of letting go some stuff that God has spoken to you. You have questioned the integrity of God in the secret of your heart. And the reality is, it is not as strong as it used to be. I prophesy to you that every word that God spoke to you will become renewed again in your heart. It will become renewed again. It will become strong again. It will be elevated in you. You will begin to see it in a new way. You will go back to it again and embrace it and begin to believe it because blessed is she that believe for they shall be a performance of all that was spoken to her. That's what Luke one forty five says. It says blessed is she that believe. For there shall be a performance of all, not two, not three, not six, of all that has been promised or spoken to him. If you go to the book of uh, Acts chapter 27, Paul made this declaration in verse 25, 24, 25. He said it when the, when the boat was going through chaos. And he told the mariners, he said, don't freak out, don't panic. He said, last night, uh, you know, the angel of the Lord appeared to me. And in the appearance of the angel of the Lord, this is what God told me. God says that none of you will perish in this boat. As long as you are in this boat, none of you will perish. And Paul ended with this statement. And I believe it will be exactly like it was spoken to me. And I believe it will be exactly like it was spoken to me. Now, that is a man who is focused on the word of the Lord. A man who is focused on that which God has spoken to you. I shout in the house stop this morning. Wherever you are in this house, whatever God has spoken to you, whatever promises he has made to you, go back again to it. Go back to the word of the Lord. God is not a liar. Revisit it. Let the world become renewed in your spirit, in your heart. Become strengthened by that world. And when you are strengthened by it, the day is coming that you wake up one day without any expectation. Just like that lady that was in the meeting. I didn't know she was going to be there. She pointed her finger to me. You are coming back home. And that same thing will happen to you. The promises will become a reality. Come on, lift up your hands here. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you, church. And I want you to expect. I came to let you know it is not over. I came to let you know there is realignment and readjustment. I came to let you know that the season that you are in is the burden of something new. That old prophetic promises will become a reality. And the spirit of God will begin to strengthen you again and bring you to your place of expectation. So Father God, this morning, I pray for every single individual that are in this building and everyone that will get hold of this CD. I ask you, spirit of God, that you will quicken again, quicken every promise, quicken every word 
in them. Quicken every desire back again. Quicken every idea, every thought that you've given to them. Quicken it. Make it alive again in the name of Jesus. Renew it in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of discouragement, worriness, anxiety. That spirit of confusion and scatteredness. That spirit of unbelief and doubt. Every attacks of the enemy against the people of God. I rebuke it now in the name of Jesus. I lose every single individual that have heard the sound of my voice. I lose you to deliverance. I lose you to freedom. I lose you to a new height, to favor, to breakthrough. I command an energy that you've never experienced, an enthusiasm, a passion to come upon you, to carry the word again, carry the promise again, carry the desire again, carry it again, and begin the work of God. And as you do it, you carry expectation because expectation brings the manifestation. Father, thank you for this breakthrough. Thank you for breakthrough. Thank you for breakthrough in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Put your hands together, church.